Pastor Ron has not abandoned us. You're not stuck with the youth pastor from here on out. Everyone say, thank God. Thank God. Uh, Pastor will be back. He is uh, headed down early to Louisiana. Uh, Brother Rod's uh, 50th anniversary party is tonight, and uh, they're celebrating that, among other things. So he is there, but next week he'll be back starting a new series, so very excited. Pastor Ron, man, he's the man. Uh, but yes, Pastor Ron will be back with, with everyone, pa- Pastor Dick and Susie. So we'll pray for them when you think about them as they travel and interact. They'll be doing some teaching while down there at the National Conference. Um, also, Friday, the 14th, Valentine's Day. Whoop, whoop. First service, when I said Friday's Valentine's Day, I heard a, uh, audibly a couple of guys go, uh-oh. I heard, I heard it audibly. They, they said, uh-oh. So, fellas... <laughs> You're getting warned. <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day. We, the youth group, want to invest in your marriage. By doing that, we will watch your kids for free. What? Uh, here's the catch. You have to sign up by Wednesday. Um, Uh, they can't be under one. We're doing one and up. Sorry. No one under one. And you have to go to the church. <laughs> uh, don't tell people that don't go to Living Stones. We want to invest in the marriages here at Living Stones. It is an open bag of cats if we just invite everybody and their kids to come here. So you need to sign up. <laughs> you need to feed them before you bring Just shove some chicken nuggets down their gullet on the way over here. But Feed them, feed them before you bring them here. We will have a snack for them, but you get a three-hour date for free on us uh, from 6 to 9 this Friday. But you need to sign them up when you come. So when you drop them off, we know, we know who they are. There's a waiver online. Um, if you click on the link on upcoming events at lstones.org, you will see the Valentine's Day thing. There's also a link if you get the uh, Stone Life email uh, in that link. But just click on that. It says register here in gold letters. Um, has all the appropriate information, but yes, we, we are you think it would be good to pour into your marriage um, for that one-on-one time. So take advantage of that. Amen? Let's read the Bible together. That's good, right? The Word. I have a lot of scripture that I'll prob- I will reference or we will read today. I'm going to go through it pretty quick, uh, but there's a lot of scripture. Here's what I want you to know. We believe the word is so important, and we don't think it's our good ideas or our feelings that lead us into good places. We believe it's the word of God. We, we believe that's an important compass in our life, in our life, in our light. I gotta, my word's all backwards. <laughs> but let's pray before we get in the word. Turn, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 1, and while you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Father, that... Man, it's divine, it's life-giving, it's inspiring, Lord, and it's a gift from you, Father. I thank you, God, uh, that anywhere in our hearts where we've become hard-hearted, God, where there's any mental blocks, any things that we've put up uh, to stop things, God, that you would soften those areas, that you would break, in the, break those things up, and that you would penetrate deep into the core of who we are with your word, Jesus. We love you, God, and we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's read Acts chapter 1 together, uh, verses 6 through 11. Now, this is, 
This is after Jesus has risen, right? He's talking to his group before he leaves, and this is what he says. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you remember what Jesus said before where the kingdom is? If I've already established the kingdom, where is it? It's in us. That's right. It's in us. Still they're asking, where is the kingdom? Will you establish your kingdom? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen for the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up for you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Uh, everybody say, what's the plan? What's the plan? That's an amazing passage. It's inspiring. It's incredible to think about seeing that. When I read it, I kind of perceived it a certain way. Uh, just like, bye, Jesus. Now what? <laughs> now what do we do? <laughs> like, I totally get the guys being like looking at them. The guys in white robes, the angels, right, like standing there looking at them being like, what are you looking at? Because I'd totally be the same way, just like, now what? <laughs> now what do I do? Um, I was inspired with the, for this message this morning um, because so much of our faith, whether it is day one as a Christian or you've been walking this out for a long time, there are so many things in our life that don't go right or we have questions about. And we as people are very, very like, I need to know. <laughs> we want to know so bad. And uh, we're always asking, like, what the plan is or how does this work out or where do my feelings come into place or, man, your flesh wants things. And are all of those things bad? I, I don't think so. How do we work this out? What is the plan? What road do I take? What do we do from here, God? Just because we get some good news about what's happening or some promises, it doesn't mean there's not speed bumps or that we have it all figured out. This message doesn't end with all of us having it all figured out. What I would do in asking the question, what's the plan, is I'm going to challenge your own integrity and relationship with God. That's what I'm going to do. Reno, I want you to know where you stand. Maybe where we could all grow a little bit. You with me? Let, let, let's look back at Acts um, in the beginning of that passage. There, there we go. When they come together, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still a little bit confused about what that looks like. The kingdom, which we talk about a lot, the kingdom, the kingdom, it's all for the kingdom. We know it's established inside of us. We know it's God's kingdom. We know that it's not just earthly. It's, it's spiritual. It's heavenly. It will be established from here on out. These are a group of people that were hoping and thinking maybe for a very literal kingdom to be established right now. Like these are Jews that have been crushed by the Romans. 
and that's just the most recent one on the list, right? They have been squeezed by many civilizations at this point. Israel was not even really a thing right now. You know what I mean? This is a people group that wanted to see maybe a military might rise up and start conquering around them. And, like, it's going to be God's kingdom. Like, you're going to do it God's way. I, I don't really know what all they had in their mind, but I know that they were looking for something really physical. I know they were still asking, like, what does this kingdom thing look like? Because, Jesus, we just went through a lot. People are going to prison. We're dodging things. Like, we had to watch you get crucified. I'm like, thank God you made it out of that. But I don't know if my heart could take that again. Like, what's going on? And Jesus is like, bye. (laughs) What is the plan here? He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And some of you are just going to have to get this in your head. As badly as you like to know things, you are not going to know it. It is not for you to know. So what is it for you to do? If it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that God has fixed in his own authority, which you must acknowledge the authority of God for this whole relationship with him to work out. You must acknowledge that. He is the ultimate authority. Like as we start walking this thing out, we start moving in here, you're going to see that either he sits on the throne in your life or you do. But he doesn't share it. We must acknowledge his authority. I'm not going to understand everything. It's not going to line up the way we think. And then he goes on and he says, uh, in the next slide, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And again, I don't know if they're still thinking about a power and authority that looks like a physical leader with a physical group of people dominating, like rising back up, but you need to know this. It was, he was not talking about political. He was talking about a spiritual power, not political. And this is where I really started to get woken up. Uh, our faith so often lacks the spiritual. Not just the spiritual, like the supernatural. And that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. And the supernatural is the part that we need. You know, the supernatural aspect of our faith is the thing that sets us apart from everything else in the world. You could have grown up in this church gone to any church for a long time. You could believe what the pastor says. Lots of friends look nice, just like everything's great about you and still not have a supernatural bone in your body. Like nothing about your relationship with God is like popping. Nothing miraculous. That's scary. Supernatural makes people uncomfortable, but it's the supernatural that saves us. It's the supernatural that moves in us. When we're supposed to be a light, when we're supposed to be evangelizing to people, connecting with people, sharing the word of God, it's like it's the supernatural that's going to touch them. We don't save anybody. God saves them. It's the spirit of God moving. Uh, When I'm worshiping, whether alone or corporately with you, and we're calling out the name of Jesus and how glorious he is, It's the supernatural that is moving. It's the presence of God. I don't know if you just don't like the word supernatural, if Holy Spirit sounds weird. Holy Spirit. I don't call what you want. It's the presence of God. And it's not weird to me. If it's weird to you, I want to ask, why is it so weird to you? 
the, the power that he gave us, the Holy Spirit, is, is definitely a supernatural thing that he's talking about here. And we need this. And this is, this is just starting to get into that uncomfortable agenda. And here's what you got to know. Our agenda often will not line up with his. Amen? What we want, what we're looking at, what we're grasping for, some of our own plans and our own ideas, you have to accept the fact that that may not be the direction that God wants to move in with your life. Uh, <laughs> let's look at this picture right here. Let's compare these two. Titanic, on the right. Who knows what that one is on the left? What? Mayflower. Remember learning about the Mayflower? No? <laughs> okay. The boat full of Puritans coming over to make a colony, right? They wanted the religious freedom. They believed they were called by God. With crew, 100 and passengers, 130 people on the Mayflower. Crew and passengers, Titanic, 3,300. If you had to pick which one of those boats to get on, which one would you get on? Oh, the Mayflower, because I'm spiritual and I love Jesus. <laughs> Mayflower all the way. No, if you didn't know... If you did not know which boat had what destiny on it. No, I'm saying if you weren't listening to God and asking about what steps to take and you're just choosing in your flesh, Titanic party all the way. The amenities alone, electricity, like it was a powered ship, servants. Did they have a pool on the Titanic? Did they? I don't know. I mean, they have them now. I just wonder if they did then. Yeah, rock climbing wall, like jet skis they let out the back. No, but you understand what I'm saying. The Titanic is a much better ride. Can you see where I'm going with this? 3,300 on the Titanic. What I am alluding to here is one of these had the power and providence of God on it to go and do something, and the other one did not. One of them was made by man and claimed it was unsinkable. It ironically was an act of nature that sunk it. Your agendas, your plans, your ideas are often act the same exact way when you're picking things. That's why your relationship with the Lord is so important. And you need to know this. It is not pastor's job to hear everything about God for you. Pastors will hear something that's good for the flock to hear, good for the body of Christ to know. But they do not have the time <laughs> 
to sit and hear for every single individual in the body of Christ a specific word in what direction you're supposed to go. You want wisdom? You betcha. We got wisdom. We got many amazing people of God. We have elders and leaders and life group leaders that you can talk to, help point you in the right direction, give you some godly counsel. That is so important in your life. But you, people of God, need to hear God. Um. Do you know for the Titanic, there were only enough lifeboats connected to that thing for a third of the population of that ship? That is either poor planning or super arrogant. It was super arrogant. A third. It wasn't just like, oh, we couldn't get in them soon enough. It was like, no, there's only going to be enough room for a third of the people on this ship. What a horrible thing to go through. People say, I'll do it his way later, or I'll figure it out later, or I've got this. I've got this. They just, we just decide on our own, I've got this. And that is like taking a ride on a ship with a third of the lifeboats and thinking you've not, you're untouchable. And you're going to have a rude awakening in a little bit. I don't want that for you. Um... And I've been humbled in those situations in my own life where I'm like, Lord, I didn't have this as figured out as I thought I did. Like, please forgive me. I repent. It is a good thing for all of us to go through. That is actually a part, a very important part of the Christian walk. Um, But I want you to avoid as much heartache and fire as possible. Amen? They'll ask you this, how do I know which boat I'm getting on? Are you getting on the Titanic with your decisions, or are you getting on the Mayflower? I don't know. Uh, I don't want you to think this. When making this comparison, the Mayflower was not a peachy trip. Um, But I'm not saying that all of your decisions and every walk that you go on in your life has to be like the old uh, Reformation Catholics, or I don't even know what I'm saying, the ones that, like, whip themselves, you know what I'm talking about? Bad, bad Christian. This is how we deal with our sin. Like, everything has to be miserable. I'm so, I'm a loser, and, like, God is so good, but I really stink, and just, like, beat themselves. Like, every part of our walk is filled with dependence, right? Yes, I am a sinner that needs God's grace. I I need to ask forgiveness. I'm constantly going on a walk. Um, But he died on the cross, so we didn't have to go through that. So I'm not saying every decision you make should be the one that's most miserable. That does not sound like a good life to me. And I don't believe that's why Jesus died on the cross. So that you would have a miserable life. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But make sure it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. Not your happiness, which is fleeting and goes away based on any circumstance. How do I know what ship I'm getting on? Well, let's go to the word for that. Proverbs 16, 1 through 3. The plans of the heart belong to man. Do they ever? But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Man, everything looks good in our own eyes when we're really doing it. Like, I could really justify just about anything that I want if I really wanted to. 
we can we can make excuses for a lot of things. Yes, and my <laughs> so pure. Well, yeah, I wanted to do that for the kids, <laughs> right? It's because the thing, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I didn't mean anything bad by it. Well, you can justify it any other way, but it says the Lord weighs the spirit. And when we're talking about the spirit here, man, it's the inner man. This is, this is where we have to be alone with God and be like, what are my motives right now? What is driving me in life? Why do I want the thing that I want? Is it good? Is it bad? I don't, ah, there's a lot of things that go into this. I know this. If I commit my work to the Lord, if what I am concerned about is the kingdom we were talking about in the very beginning, and I have committed my life to the Lord, then he's going to establish the plans. Everything that I will ever need will be taken care of. Will it be perfect and you'll never feel no pain? (laughs) No. No, that was never promised. But that is the better of the two solutions. And it actually will be the most fulfilling. Uh, Here's the plan. You know what the plan is? Hear and obey God. There's the plan. But my job, or this, this person, like this relationship... This, do this thing so I get this raised. Do I need to move? Like, there's so many things. Like, I need to hear the answer. Hear God. Obey his word. Hear and obey. How do I hear? Like, like hear? I've never heard the audible voice of God. Aaron. I think that's what God sounds like, right? No idea. It would melt me. <laughs> but I've heard God a lot. Not not audibly echoing around in a room in my inner man. I have discerned what that voice sounds like. Uh, two types of people <laughs> from ministry experience that don't hear God. There are people that don't hear God and they say, I don't know what God sounds like. And then there's people that don't hear God, and they say, I heard God. <laughs> and they did not hear God. Sure you did, buddy. Uh, especially being uh, in teenage ministry, youth ministry a lot, there's a handful of times I've heard a young man say, Pastor, the Lord has told me she's the one. God said it. <laughs> she's mine. <laughs> did he now? Good for you. I believe you. No, I don't believe you. Here's why I don't believe you. (laughs) Did she hear it? (laughs) Did someone else say it? If you've heard it, test it. What do you test it against? The Word of God and godly spiritual counsel. (laughs) God will never contradict himself. His Word lines up with his own nature. He wrote it, he's not a liar. It adds up every time. Again, let's not make excuses for things that we want to hear, but that's the great battle, isn't it? Because we want to hear what we want to hear. Your flesh is still here. You're living in it. And you're going to be battling it till the day you die. Be ruthless with it. Ruthless against your flesh. Uh... (laughs) people that hear or say that they hear 
I'm like, if you're hearing, why do you want my confirmation so bad? Like, you don't need me. If you're hearing God, go do it. <laughs> like, but it's good to test it. Uh, I, now, what I am alarmed by, I, this, this truly disturbs me. The amount of people in the modern church, including our church, that do not hear God in their own daily walk. Don't know what his voice is like. Pastor, I thought that's what you was for. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad our pastor hears the voice of God. But again, he is not a substitute for your own relationship with Jesus. And pastors do not have a landline to God that you do not have. This is coming back to the supernatural aspect. And I know this is going to be bumpy for a lot of us who have never experienced this before. And you're going to have to start discerning like, okay, missed it. That one wasn't God. That was definitely my flesh. There is, there is grace for that. That is part of the walk. Learn it. Do it. Love it. Pursue it. And, and I don't have time to get into every single verse. We'll get a couple of them. But it would literally take like I could stand up here for three hours reading all the verses in the Bible that talk about how you can hear him, how he responds to you, how he talks about where his sheep and his sheep know his voice, and they call him by name, right? Like all of these things, like how we can hear, connect, and know God. He is knowable, people. He is a knowable God. He is deep and mysterious, and there's many things we'll never understand about God, or else he wouldn't be God. That being said... He is a father who loves his children, who wants to have a relationship with you. And this relationship comes with spending time with one another. To hear him and obey him. How do you do that? We got to get to his voice. Hear and obey. Uh, you know, I hear people that are talking about, well, okay, if I miss God here again, I miss God here again. Like, how do I hear God's voice? And it's really overwhelming. That could be like huge. Like, how do I know what it sounds like? Here's a good place to start. Just get in your Bible and do everything that you can to make your life look like Jesus's. This is a journey that will lead you to very good things. Uh, I found out, blue, who's got blue eyes in here? How many blue eyes? Blue eyes. Oh, good amount. I learned recently that I, I believe this is true, okay? <laughs> I'm not a scientist. Was doing doing some reading some facts that blue eyes you do not have blue pigment in your eye that the blue in your eyes works a lot like uh, the atmosphere or sky or the ocean where it uh, scatters all other color spectrums and only reflects the blue pretty interesting right and the Lord was just like that's supposed to be us Work at this. Work just like this. So hard. Get in your Bible, read it, and work so much that everything else that the world would try and throw at you, all the things that your flesh would struggle with, all the things that would come at you, you would just refract it, break it up, scatter it, get it out, and only reflect Jesus. Only reflect Jesus. That when people see you, do they see Jesus? This, this, is a, this is a heart test. You want to hear God? Where, where are you moving? What, do, what are you leaning towards? He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. Come, come talk to me. Let's, let's be engaged. But your heart is going to tell you, like, this journey is difficult. And the path 
that leads us to the Mayflower or the Titanic, it's going to pop up all the time. And there's many times when the Titanic will look good, but it's the thing you're going to have to let go of. For destiny, for purpose, for calling, for the good things of God to come to fruition on the other side of that journey. Okay? Psalm 119, 105. This is good news. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Again, we want to know so much, and there's no promise of God that gives you miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of details about the journey you're about to go on. He's like, no, no, no. You need faith. You have to trust me. That's how this works. However, I will be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. Amen? No, you don't, you're not going to have it all figured out. Today, though, today, I promise you, 100% guarantee, you can have the word that you need to move forward in whatever you're going through. There is grace for that. We just read in Acts, he gave us his Holy Spirit, something supernatural to work inside of you. Develop that. Seek him. There is no way any of you could tell me that if you spent every day praying, you sat at the feet of Jesus. And when I say praying, like, again, the example, the difference between knowing Michael Jordan and knowing of Michael Jordan, right? You can sit in church and know that there's a God. That's the difference between knowing God conversation, relationship. So when you pray, we don't just lay out a list of things that we really need him to do like Santa Claus. Right? Thank him for something. (laughs) There is an unending list of things you can be thankful for, church. Make your request known to him. There's nothing wrong with that. But then also, be quiet and listen. And this and this and this and amen, Jesus, love you, bye. He's like, uh, do you want to hear what I have to say? (laughs) Is this conversation two sides or? (laughs) Let's talk. Go into his word, but there is no way. I do not believe that you all honestly pursue God with his word and relationship and inviting his presence and won't hear him. But you, you may be asked to deal with some things that will make you a little uncomfortable. I know that there are some distractions. I know that there are sin habits in our own life that we've decided to say yes to that keep us from walking in the fullness of God. Things that seek to separate us, cut us off, whether it's blatant rebellion or it's, man, things that I've been attacked with, things that I'm just really struggling with, they're, they're, God's love breaks through those things. Say, yes, God. Say, help me, Lord. Like, run, run to him. To hear God, we go to his word. If you're feeling turmoil on the inside, if your mind is going a million miles per hour and you're having a hard time clearing things up, if something someone has said has entered into your head and you don't know what's going on, dive into the truth. Dive into the word that he's given us and let that speak to you. Amen? First John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Uh, Love being one of the most, probably, arguably the most talked about and fought for emotion of all time, right? 
love. But I love him. Okay. I do that with teenagers all the time. Some of them think it's funny. They, a lot of them hate it by now. I mess with them so bad. <laughs> love. And in our culture, man, that word love gets thrown around so much. Or the word, the real meaning of love, used so little. And he's saying right here that this is the love of God. Love. That we keep his commandments. I believe that we have been given emotions and feelings for a reason. The devil did not invent those. You're not good enough to invent those. You had nothing to do with it. You're just here because of other people's decisions. That's crazy to think about. But then God breathed his life into mankind, and here we are. And emotions and feelings are part of those things, but they don't rule us. They never should. And if you're wondering... Man, you're feeling really emotional? You know what the love of God is? I'm going to obey his commands regardless of what my emotions are telling me here, where my feelings are at. Obeying the commandments of God will only ever lead to good fruit in my life, and it will for you. So what are the commandments? Okay, well, for that, I have to point you back to the Bible. There's the Ten Commandments, right? (laughs) Solid. They still hold up. Killing people, still bad since forever. (laughs) That's a good, those are good commandments. Let's not steal. Let's not covet. Let's remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The the Ten Commandments are solid. Are those the only commandments of God? No. No, 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 no. In fact, we got one from Jesus actually just before he took off. Go into all the world. Tell people about me. There's, a, there's 11 commandments for you. Can you follow those? The Ten Commandments plus the Great Commission. And there's so many more. There's so many other things that he's told us. You have to get in your word, people of God. You have to take responsibility for your own relationship with Jesus. If you're not hungry for God, something's got to happen on the inside. You need to understand that's not other people's fault. Our faith isn't boring. You're boring. All of these things, like God is alive and well. Get at it. Run after it. Make, make it happen. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I love that. That's so good. It's not burdensome. You're going to go on a path, and I don't want to be unsympathetic to anything that you may go through. I understand that. That's hard. Life is hard. That's not what I'm talking about. And obeying the commandments of God, like if you're tired of obeying God's commandments, there's a bigger problem in your heart. That's not the issue. We may get tired of the fight, but that's different altogether. That's because, man, I got to go back to the Lord and get refreshed. Obeying God's commandments may bring death to your flesh. That's not super pleasant. <laughs> that, that is not fun. Your flesh dying is like really, really uncomfortable. And I don't think my flesh dying has ever gotten less uncomfortable. That, that's, just part of, that's just part of it. My flesh has to die. That being said, it also brings life to your spirit, which you never regret Obeying the commandments of God are not a burden. It's a blessing in your life. 
and you will never regret doing it. Um, yeah. For everyone has been born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What? What is it? Say it, church. What do you need? What is it supposed to be? It's our faith. Faith, faith, faith. Stay with me. We need faith. Uh, that's a supernatural thing. What do you believe in? What you believe in is shown consistently every single day by what you choose to lean on. What's your escape? What's your go-to? What on the Titanic over here is, uh, is the most comforting of the amenities? I'm not saying you don't have hobbies. I'm not saying you can't have things in your life. I'm just saying for your spirit. I'm talking about the state of who you are on the inside, the core of your being. Is it godly or not godly? What are you running all this against? What's your release? What's, what is the thing that gives you light? Is it the joy of the Lord? Are you delighting yourself in him or, or not? Um, the Pharisees did not have this faith in Jesus that we're talking about, obviously. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the time. Uh, and this is a big deal because we're going to read about something he says to them in a couple of different passages. It's Jesus retorting to them, letting them know you're not that great. And just so you know, like we look at our church and the things that we would preach and teach here as like, it's our own Christian thing that's kind of separate. The United, it's illegal to kill somebody here in the United States of America, and most people say because the law of the United States of America says it's wrong, you can't kill somebody. Whereas here, the law, back in Israel, to the Jews, it was one and the same. Their whole structure was set up around this. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the lawmen of the day, the people who knew it was like the Bible and uh, the Constitution were the same thing. You get that? It's, it's a big deal. They're in charge, and they don't like Jesus. <laughs> He's mixing things up. Leave our Titanic alone. <laughs> let's, re let's, read what, uh, let's read what Jesus says to them in John 8, 45 through 47. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Do I really believe he is who he says he is? Healer, redeemer, lifesaver the great shepherd, the provider, the one who's brought ultimate purpose. Do I believe he is all of these things? I've got to ask myself, am I of God? Are you of God? Uh, it's a good question, and I just, you know, we always have to remember how we live and our, and our motives matter constantly. Uh, Matthew 21, 43 for 44, it's just so good. He's again talking to them. 
Same group of people that have challenged God, always trying to test him, always trying to trap him. He says, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. You religious people are getting it ripped away from you because you have not been taking care of the people the way you should have. You have not been producing fruit. You leaders of the temple, a.k.a. leaders of the church. Church, church, church. Church, are you producing fruit? Here's a good question. You want to hear God? You want to know what the plan is? Are you producing good fruit in your life? And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. It's kind of weird that he throws that in there right after that sentence. It doesn't seem like it's almost like a run-on. He's like, this is happening. This 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 has come to Jesus' moment for all of us at some point in our life. This is happening. And you can fall on it, and this is your flesh dying. This is you letting go of things that you need to let go of, and it's going to stink hurt, insert other word there, it is going to be bad. However, it ultimately will be good for you. And if you don't fall on the rock, it will fall on you and crush you. And it is way worse that way. It leads to more loss. It leads to a heavier brokenness. But all of us as believers need to acknowledge the authority of God and understand that brokenness is part of our journey. I don't know if everyone understands the word brokenness, but like like serious breaking in your life. That would cause people to say, God, is that you? Why would I go through this? It's understanding the repercussions of our own decisions. It's, uh, it's all kinds of things. But, but it's that uncomfortable, like he doesn't want you to suffer just to suffer. But suffering is here. And this will lead to greater things. That brokenness. Man, I remember what the Mayflower looks like from a fifth grade project. There was a little book that I had. You open up, and it, it cut the Mayflower in half and opened it so you could see all the quarters on the inside and, like, where they stored everything, where people slept, all the supplies. Like, it was so cool. And it also was like, I'll never want to do that. There's, <laughs> like, no room for anything. There's not that even that many people on this ship. It was just, like, wet and damp and storms and just... Look at that rat. <laughs> like crazy things happening all over the place in that ship. And you're just like crammed together. But it's like, if I know better, no, no luxury dining areas, like in the Titanic, but in this brokenness, God, yes, I will take that journey. I will, I will say yes to that brokenness and grab onto it so that I don't get crushed on this other thing here and have to learn a lesson a way harder way and have to repeat this journey and have to re-go through things. Crushed, but it's so good. And he gives that warning here as he's talking about the rock, the cornerstone that they have rejected, the thing in which I should build every part of my life on top of that cornerstone. Everything you do, people of God, Don't compartmentalize. It fails. Your relationships, build it on a foundation of God. Your career, hear him and build it on God. Your marriages, your parenting style, like everything that you do, the things that you choose to give your heart to, base it on the cornerstone of God. You're going to have to fix things. We're imperfect people. 
all the time in the house that is my life. I have to take out a board here because it wasn't supposed to be there and put something else in that God wants to repair it with. If you do not build your house on the rock, when it comes time to take out those things that God has not put in your life, the entire thing will collapse, and it's not pretty. Some of you are already on a sinking ship, and I'm almost done. Some of you are already on a sinking ship. That is good news. It is? (laughs) Thanks, Pastor. (laughs) Uh, Apostle, really quick. When Apostle, who got to hear Apostle Ted Sola? He was so good. When he was here, he brought up a passage from 2 Kings. It's one of my all-time favorite passages to teach on. It's only seven verses, this story. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, look it up yourself. Uh, but it's about the prophets. They, they need more room. They convince the prophet to come with them and to build a bigger house for them to live in and to learn God. And they're chopping down wood down by the river. And one of the guys has an axe that was borrowed, so really nice. You don't just go pick up an axe at Ace Hardware. Like, metal was really big at that time. But anyways, chopping things down, all of a sudden, there it goes. Axe fell in the water. The miracle here is the man of God was there. He was able to ask where he lost it, throw the stick in there, and it floated up. Metal floated. Amazing. Praise God. Miracle all on its own. And there's a lot of things we can get from this. Apostle said, where did you lose your edge? And, and look in your life, where did you lose the edge in your life that cost you, that cost you, you like your effectiveness, your ability to reach people, to shine like God wants you to shine? Where did you lose those things? And he says, it's important for us to identify the seasons and the cycles. And this is so true. You know this to be true. The things that repeatedly come back, the sin in our life that keeps coming back, and I'm still struggling with it, still hitting me, still in my life. we got to give that stuff to God and identify it and deal with it because God wants to bring victory in our life. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what the blessing is about you being on a sinking ship right now needing a lifeboat. I think that's the providence of God just as much as the Mayflower making that journey. The thing about that axe head going in the water, do you know the Jordan River is a muddy river? It's notoriously dirty. You can't see anything in it. The heavy thing going down right down in the mud and the soot at the bottom. In your life, that axe head could have flew off anywhere. Could have went right into the bushes. Could have fell off right at your feet. Could have hit Carl over here. Sorry, Carl, but we know where it is, right? It would not have been a problem then. That is just another way for you to say, I've got this. That is another thing for you to fix. That's another thing for you to control. That's another thing for you to say, I'll take care of it later. But that axe head going in a spot where you're never going to find it, and it's not yours, and you can't do anything about it, this is good news. This is God reaching out to all of you right now that are on a sinking ship saying, you need me. Let me be God in your life. And it can't be just on Sunday mornings, and it can't be these five things. It's everything. He is on the throne in your life, or he's not. He doesn't share it. Submit to me. That's hard in a lot of ways, but it is the most life-giving thing that could ever happen in your life. And some of you are on a sinking ship because you have never done that. And he's saying, come on, doggy paddle on over to the Mayflower. (laughs) Come to me. I'll help you up. I've got you covered. It's it's life. It's, It's good. It's good that this is happening because... Sometimes it's the only thing that wakes us up. Right? Wake up. 
John 16, 20 through 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. This is Jesus foretelling what he's about to go through. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. I know it's going to be hard. I know things are difficult, but they will turn to joy. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Can I get a hello from any moms in the house? I've got a wife. I understand. Two kids. I was so scared for her. Jesus. <laughs> but then... So that hard hour has arrived, but then she has delivered the baby. She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take joy from you. I love that. I want that. I want that now. I want that always. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. We're running around like a crackhead on steroids. <laughs> Asking for everything and anything. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do about this situation, God. I don't know what to do about these finances. My son, my daughter, this person, I need, I need, I need. I don't know what. I'm freaking out. He says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. There is a God who has that peace that surpasses all understanding that we have access to. And he's saying, right here, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Have I committed my life, my work to the Lord so that the plans will be established? I don't have the, I don't have the blueprint for you. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have the layout, the map for you to, for everything that happens in your life. But I tell you this, you can identify the Mayflowers and the Titanics in your life. You jump into the word. You learn to hear his voice. It'll, it'll guide you. Church, let's be supernatural. That's weird. That's scary. Hey, this is, this is what you got. It is amazing. It is the best. Remember, he said he gave us his Holy Spirit. You have it. And it's the same power that rose Christ from the dead. He was dead, and he came back to life. We have access to that same power. Same power, same spirit every day. And then lastly, at the very end of Luke, you can read this yourself, uh, the very end of Luke when he's leaving. See, we read in the beginning of Acts chapter 1 to start this message off, but that's kind of a summary of what happened in the gospel. Acts is all about the, ch the church getting started. It's crazy, the things that they have to do. You, you want to relate to some people, read the Bible. You will relate to people. It is relatable. They don't know what to do to replace Judas who was, like, with Jesus? Let's first of all talk about betrayal. Like, he understands betrayal. This is, like, his treasurer and one of the 12. Well, he sold Jesus out and then hung himself. It was a thing. Uh, and then they had to replace that disciple. Like, well, we need a guy to f replace the guy that hung himself. Uh, so let's do this. What do we do? What's the plan? They literally cast lots. Come on, no whammies, no whammies. Roll the dice. Who's got the short stick? Let's pick a name out of a bag. Like, they don't, they do, you read it. They do not know what they're doing. But they are figuring it out because they love God and he's here for them and he's gave them their promise. At the end of Luke, when Jesus is ascending, remember the whole bye? Like, when he's doing that, it says he's holding out his hands and he's blessing them. I bless you. I bless you. 
I bless you. Be blessed. You are blessed all the way. It says, and he continues to do it until he ascends. You're blessed, church. You are blessed. That is not a question. It is a fact. All those who are born of God, blessed. You are blessed. You will make it through whatever journey you are meant to make it through on this side of eternity, which is a perspective thing altogether. It's short when you think about it. Blessed to make it through every trial. Blessed to make it through every relationship, every family matter, every financial issue, every heartache that would come in this life. You are blessed. You've been blessed by the Messiah to make it. That's his character. That's his nature. I I want the Mayflower every time I can have the Mayflower. And I know I'm going to miss it all the time. And don't think that the Mayflower means you're going to be miserable. Not at all. In fact, I bet there were a lot of very wealthy, rich people on the Titanic that were empty as all get out. As we know, wealth does not bring satisfaction. And then there was purpose inside of the hearts of the people that were on the Mayflower that ended up starting something amazing in this country. You can know God. You can hear him. What's the plan? Hear and obey God. How do you do that? You dive into his word. You pursue him. Ask questions like, am I of God? And what needs to change to make it so? Being here is not enough. It's what you do when you're not here. It's what you do when you're alone that shows the character of God. Amen? You with me, church? Let me bless you. Please stand up. Let me pray for you. Get you out of here. Is that youth pastor ever going to shut up? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this church, God. I pray, Father, that you would just bless, bless, bless your people, God. I thank you, Father, for giving them an insatiable appetite for your word, God. We have so many question marks, Lord. We have so many feelings, God. So many areas where we don't know what to do, but I thank you, God, for the clarity that comes from your word. I thank you'll never leave us nor forsake us, God. Your presence is here, Lord. Church, never, ever make the mistake. Never make the mistake of thinking that you want what's better for you more than God does. God wants it for you more than you do. And just because the path is hard does not mean it's not the right one. Just because it's hard does not mean it's not right. The truth is we get scared, we're insecure, and we're lazy. We're scared and full of fear because maybe we don't really believe he is who he says he is. We're insecure because we find our identity and all these other things, so we go with the crowd or we, we man, this is who I identify, this, this relationship, this thing that I'm afraid to let go of, all this stuff, like this is my, that's, that's not okay. I'm lazy. I, I don't want to put the work in. I don't want to get up and study. I don't want to pursue this relationship. I don't want to go the distance where God has called me. Let go of all of these things. That, that's, that's the Titanic calling you. That's the thing that works out in the beginning and then ends not so great. God, we release these things. We release these fears and these insecurities, God. I thank you for awakening new things inside of us, Lord. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Jesus, that you have been walking with us this entire time. You care about our heart in the journey, Lord. Let us be real, God. Let us experience something 
supernatural, something new, something about our relationship with you that is that is genuine. And, man, it doesn't just affect me. It affects the people around me, God. We love you, Lord, and we're grateful for all that you do in our lives, God. It's not too late. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray and call out. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Run after the Lord, church. Seek his word. Have a great week.